0: Finally, for the first time heading into a race weekend in 2023, we can genuinely ask the question, is anyone else actually going to be involved in this one as well? Because we finally are heading into a race weekend where Red Bull are not the last race winners. And I know this is meant to be a Japanese GP preview and the talk is about to be about the Japanese GP, about the fans, about the driver market, about Honda, about Sonoda, Lawson, Ferrari signs. But... Hold on your horses for all of that. Because the big question here is, are we going to see a repeat? Could we genuinely see Red Bull not winning a race for two races in a row? That's going to be a streak in itself. In fact, that's going to be more impressive than the 11 race win streak that Max Verstappen accumulated. But let's hope we get something similar that weekend. But let's also talk about all the other things. But Kunal, what I really want to know from you this time out is... Do you think it's the flexi wings? Do you think it's the technical directive? Do you think it's just Singapore? Do you think it's just maybe the Red Bull mechanics having an off day? Just what just happened in Singapore? And what really excites you the most for Japan? Because this question, honestly, last four days, it's the only thing on my mind so far.
1: I definitely think it was Singapore. And I'll put it this way. Uh, there There are two things, two architects of the Red Bull dominance, two of the many architects, Max Verstappen, when he was in the simulator and he's put on the Singapore setup, he said, this car is not drivable. They swapped to the Japanese Grand Prix setup and he said, that's more like my car, right? So that's mm-hmm. one data point. The second, which is even more important, is Christian Horner. He turned around after Singapore and he said, we changed nothing on the car. We do not believe it's the new technical directive that has slowed us down. Now, let's put one thing in perspective. You know, when FIA makes rule changes in the middle of the season, it is usually to slow a team down, slow a dominant, really fast team down. We've seen that in history, right, Samuel? Yeah. In this case, let's let's go down this route. Let's assume... Lewis Hamilton, Toto Wolff, in the in, in the build-up to this TD being released, actually made a lot of noise about, you know, we were slowed down when we were quick and the FIA did something, but we don't want them to do anything this time. We want it to happen naturally. You know, they were making no. those gestures. Good so guys. let's assume, yeah, good guys. Let's assume Toto Wolff and the gang actually lobbied the FIA to come up with the TD, right? And let's assume that actually happened. Then Christian Horner would have, after losing on Singapore Sunday, said, you know what? We've been slowed down on purpose. This is the politics at play. We have a quick car, but now somebody's gone and lobbied in these rules and got them to change, etc., etc. So Horner not towing this line just gives me more reason to believe it's a very small blip in what's going to be a Red Bull Formula One season.
0: I'm not hearing that. No, I don't buy it. No, no, no. No chance. No chance. It is going to be a bad day for it. But I am marking my money. Not because I don't like the team. I do. It's a, it's a very well-run outfit. And that's really commendable. But just because what we all saw last weekend, honestly, I'm just dying to see more of that this time out. And I know the simulator point, That honestly, that's a game-changer, right? Because the moment Max Verstappen comes back out and says that my car feels the same in the simulator setup... That's honestly the scariest part, but there is going to be more to it because at the Japanese GP, even though it might just turn out to be a Max Verstappen dominance, there is more room for some more fighting because this circuit is absolutely one where tire wear is critical. And I know Sergio Perez hasn't been Sergio Perez this year. And if you all know your Snickers, he's probably not himself because he's hungry. That joke failed, my God, miserably. But the point being, it's a hard... <laughs> it, it, sometimes stuff happens, right? I was talking about Sergio Perez. I did an uncharacteristic mistake. It's just the way things are. But uh, it's for Sergio this time out, this could be one place where historically like, things favor his car- uh, Things favor his driving style because high downforce, hardest tire compounds of the entire year. Drivers will be complaining about grip and tire wear all the way through. I'm just hoping, Kunal, that we can get to see the real Sergio Perez because he's been missing forever. Like, if there's a ch- if there's a chance in time to show up, this is the place, honestly.
1: Yeah, I don't think we've seen him since 2021 20, Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi yeah. country. And then maybe, no, you know, no, no. maybe the first five, six races of last year as well, uh-huh. right? Um, but anyway, yeah, Checo Perez is somebody that we would love to see come to the fore and sort of, you know, pull more might in the Red Bull car. But I I, I think he knows his season is almost over. He's just going to bank in P2. But wait a minute, that's that's not the key point. The, the, the most important thing that I'm looking forward to for Japan, apart from the really early morning start, which is what's going to happen to all of us in Europe here, right, is the Japanese circuit itself the you know suzuka circuit in itself it's trust me every driver who gets out of the car irrespective of the series or the class or the car or how many wheels they are on they are always like oh my goodness what a goddamn gorgeous circuit they love the flow they love the circuit for what it is and before we get to also the circuit the other thing i'm really looking forward to sawmill are the japanese formula one fans you know yes it's outside of the traditional Formula One fan base, which is, you know, predominantly Europe and now America's and the likes, and that's Japan far east, right? Their love for Formula One has been through the years, I think it's been 48, 48 years since we're going to race in Japan. So it's been a long history, long tradition, right? Their love transcends drivers. Their love transcends teams, their love transcends any Japanese connection to the sport. I mean, Ayrton Senna, for once, was one of their most loved drivers, right? Just because they loved him for what it is. And I'm looking forward to all those super cool caps and the hats and the other gear that they all sort of come up with. I wonder if there is... An innovation prize for the fans that what's the funkiest merchandise you can come up with? And then people come up with those DRS wings and, and the likes. I don't know if somebody's come up with a Curse battery or an MGUK or something that's running, which pretty much <laughs> ends up failing all the time.
0: And they also have those uh wiper like sunglasses as well, where they have windscreen wipers over there. It's unbelievable how they're determined. And by the way, if any Indian fans are listening in Indian GPS weekend, the bar is set very high. You need to be at least 10% of the level of Japanese fans with whatever stuff you're allowed to bring in. That's a different challenge altogether. But no, I, I, I love it because these are thoughtful Formula 1 fans, Kunal. And just because we don't speak the same language or the same family of languages, we never quite get to understand really where the passion properly comes from. But just to see the visual display, my God, it's quite something. And I, I genuinely love how disciplined they are as well. Like, uh, whenever you watch a race over there, it's not flares, it's not hooliganism, you never hear a case of any bad behavior or anything of that sort. They'll come, they'll sign some autographs, they'll be happy, they'll be smiling, they'll cheer, they'll support, they'll wave the Honda flags and they'll go back home. And it's beautiful. It's, it's the perfect fan and series relationship that you need. And the best part of them all, they might just have another driver to cheer for for next year as well. Because there are three drivers fighting for two Alpha Tauri seats. Are are we certain that Yuki is going to stay for next year? Because that looks like the only real certainty in my mind.
1: Before we talk of Yuki Sonoda, you said, you you described the Japanese fans really well, that they'll finish everything and they'll go home. But there will be a crucial step before that. They will clean the stands themselves. Which I absolutely love about that culture. We've seen that several times in several sports in several locations. But coming to Yuki Tsunoda, he's going to be the fan favorite. He's going to be the Max Verstappen for the Japanese fans this weekend.
0: Hey, has, what do you mean? He's also beaten Max Verstappen in Equal Machinery in a monster truck. Don't forget that. Yes, yes. He is faster. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> AlphaTauri should just bring that monster truck to Japan. But I has he done enough? And let's let's get to that. I mean... Till last year, he was shadowed, overshadowed by Pierre Gasly, but he was still matching him a little bit in the second half of the year. Franz Tost, the one of the driver, junior driver architects for Red Bull Racing, has also always said you need three years in uh, for a driver to settle into Formula One. This is Yuki's third year. He's not been washed away by Nick Defries, who comes with a far more experience of racing, which is, you know, he literally ended Nick Defries' Formula One career, if we may put it as that, right? <laughs> apart from apart from an interview that you and I pulled off with Helmut Marco, if we can sort of credit that bit as well, which created those ripples in the paddock. Then the second thing is Yuki Sonoda's actually had tremendous bad luck in the last two races. So while we are applauding Lawson and his ninth place finish and all of that, yuki had a, did not start in monza and then in singapore he had a q2 exit courtesy of max Verstappen impeding him and then we saw lawson get into q3 and then deliver a good race so i think yuki has actually done a tremendous job in Alpha tauri and here's an unpopular opinion there's three drivers going into two cars right but out of these three drivers sunoda and Lawson have actually proved themselves. If there's one driver who needs to prove himself yet to be eligible for the seat next year, that's Daniel Ricciardo. And I don't mean marketing points, I mean points in the driver's championship.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, genuinely, because uh, five Alpha Tauri points so far this year, five of them have been contributed by Sunoda and Lawson. So if anything, this is I mean, I was initially thinking this is one last chance for Lawson to prove himself, but it's not. He's already done all that he needs to. So if anything, it's one more chance to show the world why he should be in that car. And that for me is so exciting, uh, mentally heading into this weekend as well. But it's it's kind of amazing how these sort of opportunities come in and turn the entire title, on, like Bertrand Gashow and Michael Schumacher, where if one driver is unfortunately not there for some reason whatsoever, you're able to unearth the talent for quite a while. And best part of the all, Kunal... Liam Lawson has the Martin Brundle seal of approval as well. So, bingo. And what we might end up seeing this weekend for the first time, or rather, we might end up seeing completed at last, is an Oscar Piastri interview with Martin Brundle. I'm most excited for the grid walk.
1: (laughs) Really? I'm most excited about Oscar Piastri's interview on the Inside Line F1 podcast, because several times we end up asking more deeper, relevant, insightful questions than what. You know, standard journalists get a couple of minutes to do. So we should go about setting that up. But yeah, these no, things are great for social media and hyping up the whole. You know,
0: if in the walk. middle of the if in the middle of the interview we don't wish Esteban happy birthday, then it's not really a fair fairoscopyastu interview, then is it? Like
1: that's it, true. But I'll tell you what, the Wireplay uh, group has a Gridwalk for most races with David Coulthard, and I trust me, that's also fantastic. It's just that you don't get to see that on social media the way or or you just don't always get it because there are territory blocks geo blocking that happens but martin's not the only grid walker uh, who who, cre- who 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 carries a lot of uh, attention there but attention will be on red bull racing max verstappen can they win will they win or even more so on the partner to your favorite driver which yes. is Charles Leclerc? Because after the summer break, Carlos Sainz has outscored all drivers barring Max Verstappen. He has outqualified and outscored Charles Leclerc in three races in a row. I don't know if that's ever happened in like uh, happened in happened with Leclerc in Ferrari ever since he moved to Ferrari. I don't think Vettel ever could do that, and. Yep. I'm sure you're excited. Look at that smile on your face. Look at that.
0: <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's hard to hard to contain it because all the way through, right, I remember when we initially had Carlos Sainz join the team, the entire perception, Kunal, was that Leclerc is the faster one, undoubtedly. Like Sainz might be the smarter one, but Leclerc is the one able to get out more raw pace. And what's really baffled me is the fact that ever since we've returned from the summer break, even in terms of raw qualifying pace, in terms of extracting the last bit from the car... Carlos Sainz has somehow discovered some missing part of the jigsaw piece. I don't know what it is. Like, generally, maybe it's just the fact that he's warming up his tires better, getting the right runs, which I remember being a serious problem in the early half of the season. Like, Hungary, I remember, Carlos Sainz got knocked out of Q1 just because he couldn't find the right place to get out of. And that too, by the way, folks, is quite a skill, if you ask me. Like, timing your qualifying exits for the warm-up lap. Whatever it might be, just that last set, just that little bit more... uh, Incisiveness, if that's the right word to use in that regard, science has been just having that, and so for me, that transformation in driving ability for the last couple of years has been remarkable. To the point where I'm super proud that I have been predicting Carlos science for a win every single time, and this time is going to be no different. I, I'm still saying this. Red Bull Racing do not exist in Formula 1. Just look elsewhere. Because honestly, Kunal, if we have battles like last week, once again, like wouldn't, wouldn't we all have every single one of our friends and family members watching Formula 1 instead of just 1 in 10 these days?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Singapore was a classic example of how Formula 1 can be or Formula 1 is without Red Bull Racing and Max Verstappen's dominance, right? But um, this weekend, I think Leclerc has to bounce back because that whole blue-eyed boy, you know, it's so strange despite Carlos Sainz being right up there with him. Leclerc is still the blue-eyed boy who's going to deliver all the world championships to Ferrari at some point, whether it's in 2030 or 2040, nobody knows. But what Carlos Sainz has actually said, what he's done to sort of have this change in form and performance is in the summer, he sat down with his engineers, looked through a lot of data pulled out some insights and has used those insights to get more comfortable in Ferrari, which has helped him build confidence. And that's why he is so tremendously quick. And we already know that he's also very, very smart in that car. Another team that I really think, and I'm going to make a bold prediction now, that I really think is in danger is Aston Martin. They've slipped from number two, to number four now, if I remember, in the Constructors' yep. Championship. There's 80 points that separate Aston Martin and and uh, McLaren. And I get a feeling McLaren are eyeing that fifth place. It is incredible downfall after a fantastic start to a season. And, of course, they still just have just one driver who's consistently bankable and scoring. And, by the way, Lance Stroll is back in the car this weekend.
0: Yay. But hey, I mean I I love Lance Stroll honestly, I really do. I love the commitment that he shows because because of the high commitment that he had, he eventually ended up having that Singapore GP crash. And uh, one of our former guests on the podcast, uh, Blake Hinsey, Blake came out with the best tweet of the entire entire year because Mike Crack obviously quoted that uh, Lance Stroll's crash shows his commitment towards racing and uh, Blake, mind you, man, if you're hearing this, you legend, because he ended up saying Give me the charge. Give rather pay me to drive a car into the wall at three hundred fifty kph for commitment, and I'll do it as well. Sure, I think you—you'd be more committed. Wouldn't you, Kanal? Like you've—you've you've done this before. You'd be more committed than large toll to make this happen. Like. All you have to do is drive a car into the wall at 350 kph.
1: And then go make a presentation about it saying, look, that's how committed I am. I could go hit that wall. Much like George Russell hit the gap in the wall. I think that was another brilliant uh, meme that came out of the Singapore Grand Prix. Uh, and This is what I really love about social media and motorsports. Suddenly, everybody realized he literally hit the gap. In Singapore Grand Prix in, <laughs> in the barriers for all those who haven't visually seen that. But um, what else do we have? We have Alpine. They need to bounce back. They've had a miserable few outings, of course. Yeah. Uh, with one car, it's always been miserable. The other one's done all the scoring. So if you look at Esteban's car, he did all the fighting but didn't get the scoring, but Castle did. And then somehow, they just don't seem consistent, or they seem consistently inconsistent and unreliable. So that's another uh, that's another uh, you know team that we need to look out for. But above all else, Somil and I, I'm pretty sure this is where you're waiting for Suzuka in itself. I mean, the only circuit which runs clockwise and then anti-clockwise, right? Because hey, yep. that's what the Japs can do. The only circuit that are some of the most magnificent corners, right, in on the calendar. And not just one, that there are the S's, the Degners, the Spoon, 130R. I mean, is there a corner on the circuit which is standard? I mean, you're a commentator, you know this. By the way, Somil spoke of MotoGP. He's going to be the voice of MotoGP in mm-hmm. India this coming weekend. Congratulations, Somil. Thank we you. look forward thank you. to hearing your commentary for the upcoming inaugural MotoGP Grand Prix in India. But no, no. your thoughts on Suzuka?
0: No, no, uh, thank you. Thank you for making it happen, Radha Kunal. But uh, on Suzuka, actually, I have to urge you guys for one thing. Now, normally there's not much urging at end Joining in your inside line F1 pit stops wherever they happen in Mumbai. But in all honesty, for Suzuka, I know I'm a commentator. I know that's basically how I like to make my motorsport happen just by talking about it. But this weekend, don't listen to me. Don't listen to Crofty. Don't listen to Alex Jakes. Don't listen to any other regional commentator. Just turn the commentary down on Saturday. Because if the TV director is doing a good job, you, my friend, will remind yourself why you fell in love with Formula 1 in the first place. Because we all tend to love talking about the championship battles and the driver politics and the technical directives and the upgrades and the budget cap and so on and so forth. But genuinely, what do you really love about Formula 1? If you weren't a fan of speed, you wouldn't be here. And this is one occasion where you genuinely get to check that out once again, where you see the cars just taking down the first Degna corner, heading down into the camber, and just the commitment that the drivers carry, Kunal. It's unbelievable. Have you seen that shot of the drivers actually taking the spoon curve with the camera being static? I think that's when it hits you about how fast these cars can generally corner, because if the camera is just right there and the car takes a fast left, it is mind-blowing to see the amount of grip that the car generates. And also, in slow-mo, if you can get to watch it, just how much the rubber actually shakes up and moves on the ground as well. So, these sort of things, that's what you love Suzuka for. And then, at the end of the day, if, if, it, if it gets boring in the middle of the race, you can always just put on the onboard of one driver and just watch the car swinging around. Like, that's my low-key hack. But… I don't know if it really does get boring. Does it ever get boring at Suzuka Canal Because if there's no racing happening, blue flags, I've always noticed, are a big talking point here. Like, every single year, there's someone who gets obstructed by traffic because the places to pass are so blind and so tricky. I,
1: I mean, I can't, in my memory, think of a boring... Race at Suzuka. It's even the last corner, it looks so simple. It's just a right hander taking on the straight, but that is technical. Sector one, another, I think there are sector one is all full of corners. You're just turning the steering wheel for almost two kilometers, which is roughly, you know, 40% of the racetrack because that's what sector one needs. And the circuit design is so Japanese, right? If I may put it as that. Usually you have a circuit where you say, you know what, your lefts will get screwed or your rights are more used. But the chap said, you know, we need balanced circuit. We need balanced tire wear. So what do we do? We flip the clockwise and anti-clockwise. So we'll give you 10 right handers and eight left handers. So is is that the matter? Yeah, 10 right and eight left. Yep. And yeah, and then you will get balanced tire wear on. Yeah, you will have a lot of tire wear, but it'll be balanced on both sides. I, I just love this in, in every way. It could rain this weekend more so on the Friday than on the Saturday, Sunday. FP2, I think, is going to have 30 more minutes because they have some more prototype tires for 2024 to test. And Sawmill, there could, there's actually rain predicted this weekend or forecast for this weekend more so on the Friday than the Saturday, Sunday. Which means that if it rains on Friday, we might not see a lot of on-track action, which is a bit of a bummer because FP2 is 30 minutes longer with Pirelli bringing the twenty twenty-four prototype tires. But, you know, this is where this whole alternative tire allocation and Lewis Hamilton's comments come to my mind because you're bringing extra tires to a race weekend when there's rain and you can't run them and you're going to yep. just take them take them back and that's wastage right but hey on race weekends where we have everything running we'll just give you two three sets less and say it's for sustainability purposes or whatever
0: <laughs> yeah it just doesn't add up it uh, just this doesn't add up and also the endless flying and also just trying to accommodate canada so we have azerbaijan canada and then spain in like a triple header. Like, why do we do these things? Come on, are we really sustainable? To be very honest. And ah, actually, uh, <laughs> fun mm-hmm. fact on this one, because uh, I, I know this isn't, isn't meant to be part of our run plan, but I was having a word with a friend of mine. So we were just randomly chatting on the sustainability aspect of motorsports because uh, we were talking about Formula E and then the chat led to Formula 1 about net zero carbon. And then I, I told that friend that, hey, so Formula One's trying pretty hard. They want to use carbon neutral fuels and ensure that, Formula One is as sustainable as it possibly can be, and they want to show that motor racing is green. But she pointed out a very valid point, Kunal, which is that if you really want to go green and sustainable, don't go motor racing. And <laughs> that's like the fairest point of it all, isn't it? All so why? why if we're really being polluting, I, I don't mean to say we shouldn't care about the environment, but again, just don't try to pretend is what my point is, right? If you're going all out, you go all out. Just be gas guzzling and be absolutely fine with it. Like NASCAR is a day. Hey, if we're being dirty, we're being dirty. Fine, fair. But this whole half act that Formula One tends to do and the lack of a statement for Helmut Markus' openly racist comment at Sergio Perez and then the whole We Racist One campaign comes to mind. And this is all, all half hearting stuff, isn't it? Honestly.
1: My view is that if they don't have these media images some of the biggest global corporations that are spending billions of dollars to be a part of Formula One will not want to be there. So is this positioning? Is it posturing? Of course it is. But that's how, not just Formula One. It's so, you know, you you talk of climate change, you talk of, and these are now very touchy topics. So it's not that I'm taking a stance. Uh, I'm just backing your point saying, yes, Formula One can do more, do better rather than just put a curtain over it, if that's what we are trying to aim for
0: yeah honestly but uh, let's return the focus back down to suzuka this weekend because it's going to be fun so for all our american listeners here firstly i'll just uh tell you how tricky is it uh it is going to be to watch for you i'm sure you know but one o'clock in new york 10 p.m in u.s that's the start time for the race Kunal. so if you are a max verstappen fan celebrating in the east side of the u.s i'm sorry you're going to need an all-nighter, right my, all my friend. That's when you really get to buy the Red Bulls and support Max Verstappen because you need a couple of them at least to stay awake. But 3 o'clock for the race to end, Kunal, that's going to be a tricky time for them. huh?
1: They're going to be drinking Red Bull. And we're not being paid to say this. To actually see Red Bull win the Constructors' Championship in Japan, that's a possibility this weekend. We've literally just forgotten about the championships and when they can be settled. But Red Bull could win it mathematically this weekend also drivers 5th and below in the in the drivers championship are mathematically out of contention because there are 206 points available yet in the drivers championship
0: oh no so is uh, is uh, is Ocon no out of the championship
1: most definitely
0: as, out of the is, championship.
1: Yes, I, as is yes as is george russell i think and maybe even Charles Leclerc, i think so
0: but it, it shows commitment, Kunal. It shows commitment that Lance Stoll was able to get into the championship at this point to compete. <laughs> Otherwise, he would have been out of the championship by round one only, right? So, I'm, I'm glad that he showed commitment to get to this stage. But to the serious stuff, predictions, Kunal. Because I I know my heart will always put the money on Carlos Sainz. But I'm honestly going to go uh, gonna go a little bit left-feet. I think that Sergio Perez will have a good weekend this time. Why? Again, York is as good as mine. But I, I'm just hoping that He's able to get the original form back in because we've seen like 10 years, 8 years ago in the past, this circuit really does work for him like because his tie-away skills come in handy over there. So, I'm just banking on something and Red Bull to get back in the right form. But who's your heart and mind in? Because the mind will always say, Max. What does your heart say?
1: Heart would want to see Lando Norris do well because this is again one of those circuits where you expect that the McLaren will have greater efficiency than it's had in the past mclaren has you know ever since they had the austrian Grand Prix upgrade which was i think seven eight races ago they've outscored all but red bull racing and very closely matched with ferrari as well and they've been yeah i think red bull racing scored back points then there was ferrari ferrari's boost has come in the last two weekends and mclaren and mercedes have scored the same number of points so i would say heart is with lando norris
0: and actually, wait, before we end, do we have any word on if Oscar Piastri is also going to get the Singapore update? Because I don't... Yes. He is, he right? Because that's so what I remember. Will be
1: equal. Yeah.
0: And that will be fun. So, the three-tenths qualifying gap that we saw between Norris and Piastri in Q1, uh, which before eventually we got to see all the headaches with uh, the crashes come up in the middle and doing Oscar's laps, that could be even closer. So, watch out for Saturday and just turn off the comments, ladies and gentlemen, because Suzuka is always that much more fun. And so, since we've had so much fun talking about Suzuka in the entire weekend, we haven't introduced ourselves so far to the end of the episode. So, in case you were wondering who we are, what this is, this was the Inside Line F1 podcast and our Japanese GP preview. This was Somaladora. I'm the host of the Indian Racing League at Star Sports. And the other voice that you heard on this podcast was Kunal Shah, the former marketing head of the Force India F1 team, who is currently an FIA accredited F1 journalist for the Viaplay Network in Norway. Folks, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I hope you've enjoyed listening and hope you've enjoyed hearing our opinions and predictions for the Japanese GP. Let us know yours on social media and we'll be back for the Japanese GP review episode this Monday. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.